Namatibana, good evening and welcome. Good evening, Ayabonga, and uh, thank you for having me. I certainly hope you're well. I hope you're not in the dark uh, and it's cold and and so on. But uh, yeah, I think many of our people tonight are saying, hey, yeah, 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 it's, it's very tough. Um, um, so that's actually the schedules now have moved into the uh, some, some areas in the four-hour cycles. Um, but fortunately, in this area, we do have a bit of a backup that's running just to power the, the Wi-Fi and, and some of the lights. So like a neighborhood UPS? No, 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 no. Um, it's, it's, it's more for this our, our specific house. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. So yeah. at least you, you can still be connected. You can still get to do WhatsApp call than maybe some of mm. us uh, who might have our lights switched off. But I guess it's a sign of the times, very much a sign of the times. Correct, correct. Um, obviously now, in line with what I was just seeing, uh, some of the property companies that started to say, like Rose One came out also, um, is that um, there's diesel issues right now. So we ca- you start to worry, even these batteries, could they, can they stand this sure. frequency and this long period of blackouts? How ironic. ESCOM is burning record numbers of diesel and no growth point mm. uh, in order to deal with what ESCOM is visiting on them are finding it mm. difficult to find diesel. I can't But let's maybe, uh, I guess, take a look at another company that might be sharing the same sentiment. WBHO. Many of our listeners would know them. They're a construction player. And I guess they join a legion of South African firms who come back from uh, other jurisdictions with their tail between their legs. And this time around, it's Australia. Woolworths had the same story in the same market and many others. Mm. Yes, uh, so these guys um, announced at the beginning of the year that um, the Australian operations pretty much needs to be closed down because it's been loss-making for um, a while, especially the beginning of uh, COVID, and the losses have accumulated. The group company had provided the guarantees, but now it was it, 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 it was at a point where it could potentially impact the group uh, entity. So um, that that Australian business is being closed down, um, and it's basically under administration. Mm-hmm. And and I guess in this case, I've, I've, from what I could read, it seems their voluntary administration is very much like voluntary business rescue, ready setting out in their sense announcement today what each creditor grouping gets or category of creditors. What do you make, I guess, of this? Uh, it seems, yeah, a lot of um, processes to tie up their operations there and uh, I guess what you also make of how the operations in South Africa have fared as well. 11% down and operating profit at least 4% up. So it's really a mixed bag and then you have the UK operations uh, delivered. Those ones delivered uh, successful product projects and they are seeing um, an increase in the pipeline. But otherwise, from a numbers perspective, still expecting them to be at least um, 25 to 40% um, uh, down uh, to the previous period. Yeah, it seems favorable commodity prices have also uh, benefited uh, a lot of the um, sort of surface level and underground construction, uh, which the likes of WBHO, Marion Roberts, and others are very involved in. Um, and a big part of, I guess, the South African story has had a lot to do with that. And also, it seems some mining construction projects in places like Madagascar. Well, the growth mm. in those uh, areas also means that there's been an increase in the pipeline, so the potential um, um, revenue potential in, in that respect. Sure, sure, sure. And, and I guess just the instructive lesson, I mean, you, you've been watching the markets for, for a long time. What about 
how in the last, say, two decades or so, South African firms, especially, um, you know, if we think about firms and in industrials, so not necessarily a lot of the financial or service type businesses. What about how they've made forays into the UK, into the European market, into, you know, uh, places like China and even Australia and Japan? Um, you know, has made it so difficult for them to stay there, have enough longevity in those markets, build a brand affinity with consumers, you know, investors and so on. What has made it so difficult? Um, I mean, the thing is that we're still not sure if the companies that have moved outside of South mm. Africa, now moving into a global stage, they were well equipped from an experience perspective yeah. and a process perspective to compete adequately in these markets. And those are the ones we've mm. seen come back um, uh, having failed. Yeah, I mean, I guess in some cases they've also hired, if I think of Woolworths, Ian Moyer and a few other players, I mean, they've kind of hired some talent in the markets where they went. But if indeed that's mm. the case, Nomatibana, then I'm quite concerned. I mean, they always say they earn their checks, their multi-million rand checks, which we complain about on this show a lot. And they say they earn it. And uh, if, if they, just with the whiff of global experience, are a- unable to deal with that, then, you know, what justifies the, that very high paycheck? Yeah. Um, and that's why competition is important. Because now when you move into a global stage, you um, you are exposed in terms of uh, your experience and also uh, whether your paycheck is justified or not. Um, mm. So it's important. Um, and, and, and the key thing, obviously, that we're also going to start seeing is uh, other players outside of South Africa moving into South Africa and, and, um, and competing. Yes. That, in, that yes. also will expose the... Um, the lack of experience of some of, of the CEOs we've seen uh, in the companies that are listed on the JSE. Mm-hmm. Talking about listed firms, making all manner of forays into different markets. Sabanye, uh, last time I spoke about them, it was the gold sector strike and the end to that strike. And now it seems that shopping expedition continues. Um, uh, I think the last time, towards the end of last year, they spoke about an investment they made, circular economy play. I think it was a sort of a tailings recovery operation somewhere. This time around, looking for majority stake from initially 50 plus 1% and then making an offer that might take them to 86% of Caliber. Who is Caliber? What is it that they produce and why is this um, such an important, I guess, acquisition for Sabanya Stillwater and Neil Froneman? Okay. And they say they one of the vertically integrated players in the lithium space. Uh, Finland also has a national battery strategy, which I found quite interesting uh, because mm. I guess it, it speaks volumes about our own approach to future-looking industries here. I mean, we've got a massive mineral endowment, it seems, on their end. Uh, they've got not only the deposits, but also trying, I guess, to get some downstream action as well. Yeah, it, it definitely it, it makes sense. And, um, and Smania is one of the few players in this space Um and but I guess now, if you think about um, some of the uses of our minerals, mm. as, as for instance, uh, platinum, it becomes difficult if you're going to move the full way through the um, through the value chain yeah. because we, we we have a motor assembly business in South Africa, not necessarily building all the um, uh, parts such as these factories uh, from scratch. Mm. We more the bulk of what we do is assembling. Yeah. But otherwise, I mean, this is an area, a growth area for us uh, from a job creation perspective. We should be looking at ways of bringing these um, secondary um, uh, the, uh, manufacturing in the rest of the value chain to the country. We, we spoke about something interesting a few months ago uh, on Metro. I think it was towards the end of last year. Uh, and we came across some research that showed that CSIR, 
in the late 80s and I think in the early 90s, right, right up until say 1992, 93 or so, had one of the best in class lithium battery research programs. Now, this is before like the electronics boom of the 90s and, uh, you know, how many ended up benefiting from that. But apparently some of that research ended up in California and effectively led to the lithium battery boom that underpinned, you know, the foray into cell phones and so on. Um, so it does seem, I guess, you know, there's big question marks about how this investment might potentially w- yield anything for South Africa's scientific research and innovation community uh, insofar as this energy storage mechanism of the future is concerned. I think I'll leave to the scientists <laughs> to actually <laughs> respond to. <laughs> yeah, look, maybe maybe it's something we actually need to pick up with CSIR and we'll bring you in there for that one, right. Sibana, because right. I, I do think that things like this are showing that, you know, Sibanya could have, you know, and I, I'll never speak well of, um, you know, them on the labor issues and so on. And uh, sometimes the attitude of uh, the CEO, Neil Froneman. But what I must respect, though, is, um, you know, this idea of not letting all of this windfall and capital sit idle, but also look out, mm-hmm. go out and search for, you know, real economy investable opportunities that position you for the yeah. future. Others would have paid down debt, bought back shares or, you know, effectively paid a bumper dividend and kept it moving. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's very difficult to criticize this move um, um, because, I mean, this is in a growing industry mm. uh, from, just from its location uh, in Finland, uh, in the Europe, in the greater European market and where this growth area is. It's very difficult to be uh, overly critical of this move. Mm, mm. Let, let's stay in the mining sector because, uh, yeah, uh, I guess the folk, Nico Muller, out at uh, Impala Platinum coming out and saying, PIC, you are the kingmaker in this impasse we've had for the last eight months um, over Royal Bafugeng Platinum. Now, you know, Implats and Royal Bafugeng Platinum are neighbors there, I think, on the western limb of uh, the Platinum Belt. I'm not sure if it's the eastern or the western limb. Stand to be corrected there. But um, uh, I guess the other complication here is that Northam, towards the end of last year, came in uh, with an offer to Royal Bafugeng Holdings. And now it's kind of neck and neck if one considers the exercisable options that uh, Northam has access to, the current shareholding of Implats, and uh, it seems the big decision maker is an entity that holds shares both in the target firm, RB Platt, and also, I guess, in Northam as well, uh, and I think in Implats as well, which is the Public Investment Corporation. Mm. Yeah, this, uh, as you actually say, PIC is the kingmaker here because we have um, um, Northam at 35% uh, mm. holding of... Um, RMB Platt, and we have uh, Impala at uh, 37.8%. So really, the kingmaker, the decision-maker here is going to be, it's going to have to be PIC. I can't, um, uh, for me, it feels as if this is something, um, as the CEO has uh, mentioned. And, and, and why do you think that's the case? I mean, or maybe let me put the question a bit differently. I mean, I think the suggestions being made by Implats that these guys have had more than enough time. They've consulted everybody, done the adequate mm-hmm. sort of due diligence, um, and ideally should have signaled now what their position is. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, what's the implication of them holding out for a lot longer? I mean, if they stay for the next sort of four months or so, and uh, we also know they are antitrust-related uh, discussions as well that uh, are ongoing. I think there was something out at the tribunal at some stage, competition tribunal and so on. So... What's the implication of that, of, uh, you know, the PIC staying mum on this one for the future capital structure of RB Platt? 
um, and they have enough time. They've had enough time to be make mm. have made it to be able to make a decision. Um, so, um, so now it's just an added la- layer of uncertainty that's been created that's unnecessary, yeah. especially given. I mean, there's, there's there's potential value to be extracted um, on the implants. Oh, sorry, in the Impala deal. Um, Northern on the other side probably have their own value proposition. But at the end of the day, if both of them, all you have to do is the one is the kingmaker, see both of these deals, do they make sense? And make a call instead of uh, leaving it to hang and therefore creating uncertainty and overhang on all, on these on these stocks. Maybe then a last one, just as we wrap up. Um, I mean, I found it very interesting how the, uh, you know, in particular U.S. business media uh, reports on the operating model of Fenty and in particular, I guess, uh, you know, cosmetic lines there. What do you make of this? I mean, saying, yeah, often spoken of fact, Africa is said to have one of the largest consumer markets in the next few decades or so. Um, And it seems they are suggesting there's something that, Rihanna is getting right that others aren't necessarily doing. Mm. It's an interesting one of the things that I, I, I'm not big on, mm. but I get it in the sense that it's about access. We're dealing with a market that has been under service for so many years. Sure. And now we have an, an entity that says, I see you in terms of your variety of skin tones. Mm. Um, and it's meant that other brands have also been um, forced to actually recognize um, the, the, the market. It, it, and essentially, not, I don't think it's about potentially this. It's just how big, uh, obviously the finances are there, but it's just the fact that this is a market that's been under service. Mm. And uh, she's been the pioneer in saying that I see you as a, as black woman and the different tones of your skin color yeah. and your different um, pictures of your hair. Are you as bullish as they are about, I guess, how big this might potentially be for Fenty? It's cre- it's, it, it means that the competitors have also come on board in terms of the um, the providing to this market. Mm. And um, obviously now, as big as the pie is, it's not a pie that's only for Fenty. It's a pie that's now become available to everyone. And yeah. everyone is, is starting to, is, is obviously uh, uh, starting to play to, to, to go for that market. So um, not as bullish as they are because mm. then the competition is, is, uh, is following suit. And it's not necessarily a market. It's, this is about branding. It's not necessarily a market where um, the actual IP per se is, is important. Yes, yes. Nomatiwana Machoba, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it, Ngoz. Thank you so much.